Cheers. Mm. It's nice. It's really wonderful, Zach. Thank you. Wow, hits the spot. What is this, ice? Um, absolutely nice. Ah. Mmm. Initiating broadcast number. What is this? What, question mark? 50. It's got to be like 54 or something, I think. 53. We're in the 50s. We're in the 50s. We're back, and we we're didn't... in the 50s and we're back with a crack. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Back to, a crack, new... back to crack your back with. I just thought of it. That's great, man. That's awesome. I love the debut. Yeah. Ice we're cracks changing. as well. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. Ice cracks, which is relevant to the book for this evening oh by the way everybody oh how is, how is it relevant because uh, oh, okay that's interesting, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tell yeah. us uh, well it's deep th- it's deep thematic and historical <laughs> point uh that's the uh, title of the book <laughs> uh, by the way you're listening to the spinecrackers podcast uh with your hosts uh me gabe and uh yeah matt i'm paul and uh yeah that's us uh so this evening, we're going to be discussing, as already mentioned, Ice, the 1967 novel by British novelist Anna Kavan. Nay, well, that's not that. That's only if you get married, right? Previously, the artist formerly known as <laughs> Hel- Helen Woods slash Helen Ferguson. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think she, she only was... ever. I think she only ever published as Helen Ferguson, but her the name she was born with is Helen Woods. Yeah, and she, so she uh, what she changed her name kind of like after two divorces as like a, like a rebirth, Phoenix type situation. I think it was just I think she only got divorced once. No, she got okay. divorced twice. Okay, so was it after? Okay, uh, so it I was after. I don't know which divorce, but it was after a s- insane asylum stint, which I think yeah. was yeah, probably after the second one. So uh, yeah, um, uh, this is yeah, Kavan. We'll talk. I'm sure about her life. But, much more or a little, at least a little bit more if not in the patreon segment which you can hear if you subscribe to our patreon to get the full episode which is usually between two and a half hours and three hours of us going <laughs> more in depth popping off sharing hot, sharing the hot takes that you cannot hear in the paltry one hour public episode yeah which not that it's bad but which it's you're listening to now not that it's bad no but yeah, this always, is the slim, slim Pickens edition. There's always more to say, as, as you know, you know. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk more about Kavan's life uh, as we go along. But uh, this was her final novel. It was published, I think, only a year before she died mm-hmm. uh, of, of heart failure, often mis, misstated as a drug overdose. Now, she was a uh, life, virtually lifelong heroin addict. Um, but she was a fan of it. She was a big fan. Big fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one could say. An enthusiast, if you will. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Just being, imagine being like a heroin connoisseur. Yeah, like I going mean, to like, heroin con- conventions. <laughs> You just inject heroin and just you're just like, yeah, it's fucking really good. <laughs> this, this one's good too. <laughs> I mean, isn't that literally that's like literally what they do, isn't it? I know that's yeah. the joke. It's just like <laughs> <laughs> there's no variation except <laughs> imagine liking heroin. <laughs> <laughs> 
If there's any heroin-based podcasts out there that want to school us <laughs> on the details. Just the quietest <laughs> podcast imaginable. They all... <laughs> They only get like three episodes in. No, they just get, they just get like 10 minutes into each episode and then just do it not out. <laughs> yeah. I pawned my Yeti microphone yeah. already. Yeah. Oh, James <laughs> OD'd again. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, addiction is not funny. No. It's not, no, it's not. And there's a lot of resources out there for folks struggling with it. True. We don't know and any of them. But and we, we're not one of them and we don't know any of them. <laughs> Uh, so uh, yeah. Anyway, Kavan uh, was was a big heroin addict. She struggled with drug addiction and mental illness um, for you know most of her life. Attempted suicide multiple times. Was in and out of uh, you know mental uh, what, what were called at the time asylums. Um, and uh, yeah, just generally a very very interesting writer. So she 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 published most of her early work was she published when she was married to her first husband, I believe, who's I forget his first name, but something Ferguson. Um, who, by the way, if I'm reading her biography right, her first husband was her mother's ex. Uh, something like that very much older and yeah potentially like like a quote an ex, unquote friend of the ex mom lover of, of her mother yeah um so off to a great start in life uh <laughs> and oh. if you read if you've listened to our episode on we this is our second episode on Kavan. if you listen to the first one which is on sleep has his house which is her other probably most well-known work aside from this this was far and away her most well-known and commercially successful novel yeah, I don't know what would what would rank after that. You know, I I yeah. feel like Machines in the Head gets mentioned a lot, right, and, right. Uh, which is a short asylum collection. Asylum piece gets mentioned mm-hmm. a lot, so I don't I'm not sure which is next. But anyway, if you listen to our discussion of that novel, um, there's a lot in it about her mother, um, and I I would argue there's a lot in this novel about her mother as well. Uh, so she I, definitely gets a shout out potentially a couple yeah, times. Yeah. So. Um, someone who was working through a lot in her writing, I, I would say, is fair. Mm. Yeah. Yes. So what's this Gabe book? What's this Gabe about? <laughs> what's this book about Gabe? <laughs> this book is about Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> you are ice. Yeah. I am ice. Uh, so sub zero. So. <laughs> Dude, awesome! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, do, I, I don't have any good uh, Sub Zero lines, but I'm sure he has them. And score, everyone knows Scorpion's line, but he was the only one that really. But, had yeah, them. I guess Sub Zero doesn't have like a line that he says every time. What is Scorpion's line? It's like get, get over, over here. here, get over here, get yourself over here. <laughs> <laughs> come on down. Come on over here. <laughs> Why don't you come over here? <laughs> Uh, so anyway, yeah. So th- this is my my pick. So it traditionally falls to me, the, the picker, to <laughs> the picker <laughs> to uh, uh, kind of give a quick plot rundown of the book, uh, why they picked it, etc. So I, I will proceed to do that uh, right now. Um, I picked <laughs> I picked it because I wanted to read more Kavan. Uh, simply, um, yeah. we had, we had yeah. read her other book and. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, now, I have to just say that looking back over the ratings, the, the rating I gave that book, which is like a 4.8 plus, is probably the most out of whack with how I feel with a book that we've read previously in terms of a rating. I think that was oh, wow. maybe not the most, but I think it was significantly too high. Um, but, you know, whatever. It was my in the moment reaction. You got to honor it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I wanted to revisit her work to see what impressions it would leave on me a second go around. Um, and this is the one that's sort of the most popular of hers that maybe some other people have read. And so I thought it would be a good uh, pick for that reason. Now, in terms of what the fucking book is about, search, search me. Uh, it's it, it, Just be crude and superficial for the yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it, it roughly follows an unnamed narrator um, no one in the book has a name, uh, actually. The narrator is unnamed. And it follows his travels in pursuit of um, 
an ex-lover or an ex-childhood friend. It's it, it, again, I'm already floundering because it's so unclear precisely what his relationship is to this woman slash young girl. Which is why the biographical detail we mentioned at the top is important. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Lover, friend, old childhood friend, who knows? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and the other biographical detail that we mentioned that's important is that this narrator is deeply troubled mentally. He has some sort of seemingly like undiagnosed and or diagnosed mental illness and also takes drugs on top of it that aggravate that mental illness and cause hallucinations and breaks with reality and, you know, a whole sort of panoply of uh, very, you know, worrying symptoms. And so it's sort of him moving through this world, which is a sort of post-apocalyptic or in the midst of the apocalypse world um, that is both perpetually sort of at war with various countries and states kind of uh, moving in the background to undermine one another or, or create alliances. And also the world is being comparatively quickly engulfed in huge sheets of ice that are constantly just kind of moving across the ocean and like literally just crushing continents, it seems like. Yeah. Um, and Yeah, it's like the never ending story, but it's ice. Right, the nothing. Yeah, 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 yeah. The nothing. yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So there's this constant environmental threat uh, that's frustrating his pursuits of this girl who is referred to only as, I think, the glass girl. Is that right? Yeah, sometimes. Um, sometimes, not always. Sometimes just the girl, sometimes something else, which is, again, adds to the ambiguity and confusion. Um, so his his pursuit of her is frustrated both by environmental factors, but also by the other, really the only other main character, who is a guy by the name of the warden, who sort of um, kidnaps the girl originally, and or she sort of goes with him willingly. It's unclear how they first link up. Right. But because she he first encounters her and she's married to someone else. And all of a sudden she then kind of just up and leaves and leaves the country and then winds up with the warden who is sort of a, a warlord, uh, I, I think, of what what is uh, arguably kind of characterized as kind of like a, a fallen Scandinavian empire or something like this. That's kind of how I read it. Yeah, like you mentioned, like there's an ice age sort of occurring that is re reorganizing geography essentially. Um, so yeah, th things are also just the world the the world map is also just not the same. Right, and so so basically he's running about the world, getting on ships and traveling through the woods and getting in cars and you know it, it's it's like a planes trains and automobiles of, yeah. of, of the apocalypse and and like just awful mental states and weird sex fan weird sex fantasies yeah so that's it that's my summary pretty good thanks well, so much for listening guys <laughs> <laughs> that's it um so what 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 jumped out to you all about this book? What were your first impressions? What what seems critical to talk about? Well, I guess first of all, like the the, the thing that gets discussed, right? Like I got this book out of the uh, sci-fi section of a bookstore, right? Um, so I mean, we could have that you know that whole perpetual conversation about uh, certain like genres um straying from like the norm of those genres and then suddenly everyone wants to like re relabel the genre or call it literate literary science fiction or something like that um, aka just cool and good science fiction yeah <laughs> yeah well the that's my problem the, the, the implication yeah exactly like this this i don't know if kavan was the source of this coinage but the right the the genre of slipstream which i learned about through just reading about this book, uh, which seems like one of, you know, one of the many cases of like a kind of just cop out, <laughs> like term, like it's a slipstream uh, book, which just means ambiguous and shifting 
perspectives and and you know just kind of weird and avant-garde it's like when people call like anyone like narrating their day like stream of consciousness yeah you know, exactly it's just like okay yeah and it's just like it just you, it can just be science fiction but, is but it? Uh, i don't know if it is it may, maybe maybe this is something we should save for the, the patreon segment because it might take us far afield but I, yeah it's yeah it's a really interesting question well i just thought of like uh you know everything has multi like every component and like thing that happens in the novel seems to have like mul multiple layers of meaning right like multiple valences and you're i feel like you're supposed to think about them like think about them all simultaneously and as they pile up it's supposed to they're all kind of valid interpretations on to some degree like where she's led you but they're like very capacious like these these figures they're not they're kind of ciphers and like uh symbols it seems like a lot to me so there's like this uh yeah like a a dream logic of her own yes. that she's that she's using pretty heavily and and she did she i mean which like is very similar to yeah yeah sleep has his house sleep which is house. literally about just like existing within this unreal dream world and yeah i mean inst instantly at the beginning of this book it's just describing like the fact that there are breaks from reality and that uh you know, to say it's an unreliable narrator is is like even to go like sort of undersell it. Yes, yes, I I, I totally agree because because he's he's unreliable even to himself, right? He he has no sort of sense of mooring uh, to to the point that it's just you know who knows? Like I mean, the, the way this book like shifts scene to scene is like not I, I can't think of another book that works the way this book does internally uh yeah yeah just, it doesn't really ever like it doesn't really ever allow you to just sit in the moment like there, you know what i mean it's just like constant even like within a paragraph it'll switch to a totally different scene it's just like full throttle constantly moving well there's there's the con but yeah it's constant and that constant is kind of like that uh, a, a recurrence of the same event of like this guy refinding and refinding this this girl uh yeah. right so there's like this horrible just eternal recurrence that feels like is just happening now until the end of the world yes yes literally yeah and, and, right and yeah like it'll be he'll track her down and then she'll hop a boat and, and be off and they'll have to find out like find a way to go track down where the boat went or he'll find her in a town and then the townspeople will ritualistically sacrifice her to an ice dragon like in the ocean yeah and then yeah. he'll find her again and she'll be kidnapped by the warden again and it, it, like matt said it's just varying variations on the on the theme so so one of the first one of the first you know kind of to me most obvious symbolic elements was just this uh you know the the glass girl and this man and like this man in two forms like the insane nice quote unquote you know fucking nice guy who's actually a stalker versus the like warden who's like an another aspect it feels like of man like uh the kind of like highly in controlling like uh violent and very like physically strong i don't know violent aspect of man and then just the kind of ritualistic uh, violence and suppression of women essentially like just right. oh, that will continue to go on forever and it's just this like gravitational pull until i was uh we destroy our, ourselves i was picturing the in warden, an ice pangea yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> ice pangea. i was picturing the warden and i don't know if this is problematic or not but i was picturing him as like the the villain from mulan basically I don't know if you guys remember who that I was. Like, what was his name? Mongolian he was basically guy or? supposed to be Genghis Khan, but he was. Yeah, 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 basically. Yeah. I know the warden's supposed to be like a Scandinavian guy, I think, or at least that's kind of how I read him. But like more of like a Viking type, but I don't know. I could see it. I, yeah, I didn't really see. I saw more of like, yeah, I saw more of like a big, like Dolph Lundgren type person, <laughs> you know, basically in my mind. I was picturing like a like kingpin from, <laughs> from the live action Daredevil. Yeah, yeah. Vincent well, so one kind of yeah. one sort of question that I have about 
the warden and these, like you were sort of saying, Matt, the dual, uh, not like not not a duality of man, but but you know the narr because the narrator is also just very bad, like a bad guy. He's like creepy. Yeah, yeah. He's like a creepy stalker, and he has all these very, um, you know, this he has this this back and forth with his feelings for the girl where it's sort of this protector role, I need to save her, but also he he's also violent with her and he also fantasizes about like breaking her hands and stuff and like has all these yeah. very violent sexualized <laughs> fantasies about her. Um, yeah. yeah, go ahead, Paul. There's just like the deeply rooted um, psychological, sexual, disgusting ambiguousness, I would say. Like, like there's a scene where he's like, um, he's at like in a town and it's like the aftermath of a battle and he's like, look going up to all these dead bodies at one point he tries to like get a sword out of a hilt and then he can and then he gets another sword but he goes he starts going up to all these like girls that he think could be the girl and one girl has her neck broken and he it's really gross he like describes the blood and everything and there's a line that says like like he he's sad about her dying but he wishes that he was the one to do it like he's like yes i, I should have done this like yes. what the fuck yeah yeah and the girl herself is described as like the the apotheosis of victimhood. Like yes. she's like a born victim, and that's when the mom reference gets dropped. Like very directly described as having been taught to be so, and like just sort of abused psychologically and physically to the point of this like uh, this kind of fatalism, or you know she's just she's just resigned to to this. But this is also how. And yet she, she keeps only, trying to escape and, and run, right? Yeah, it gets, it, but that all gets subverted. Like, yeah, exactly. Because, like, that's the description that the male narrator is like putting on her. And then every time he comes around, she's like, fuck off. But then it does get complicated by the end. But that's only if you believe the narrator is telling the truth. So it's, yeah, it's again, yeah. tough. You don't know if he's lucid or not. <laughs> so, or just yeah. Having right. a fever ice cream. Yeah, he right. just went to a fugue state and imagined his favorite ending. Well, cause, right, because at the ending of the book is ultimately that they, you know, meet up together and, and sort of semi-reconcile their differences and embrace and whatever. And the ice is closing in around them and, and they get in a car and they're kind of driving. And it's a, it's honestly a very uh, cozy description at the end. They're just vibing in this car with the heat on, and yeah. like they're just like chilling, uh, driving through this hellscape. But like the the, the final line of the book, I thought was just chilling. Uh, yeah, I really liked the last uh, paragraph. Basically, it was really good. So I'll just read that then. Um, or do you want to read it, Matt? You got it. Uh, yeah, I got it. Or I. Uh... Yeah, I, I got it. No, hold yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> One second. Yeah. Okay. Driving the big car through the glacial night, I was almost happy. I did not regret that the uh, I did not regret that other world I had longed for and lost. My world was now ending in snow and ice. There was nothing else left. Human life was over. The astronauts under. Oh shit! I fucked it up. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I was like, do I read a different bit, book? Bit, yeah, did I read the right book? My bad. I just I, I I highlighted all this stuff, and I thought that's where it started. Okay, so they're in the car vibing. <laughs> I drove at great speed as if escaping, pretending we could escape. Although I knew there was no escape from the ice, from the ever-diminishing remnant of time that encapsulated us, I made the most of the minutes. The miles and the minutes flew past. The weight of the gun in my pocket was reassuring. Yeah, that yeah, little I, like I, detail at the end there, too. Yeah, it's like, like, is this just well, a kidnapping or is this just you know, another yeah. break? I thought that was a great final line because it it did double down on the ambiguous nature he had towards her. It's just like, yeah, I'm happy, but I might I might kill her. That's the that's the vibe that I got. Yeah, exactly. Or it could be Kavan's own sort of just perspective on uh, human beings because you know she she was herself. I, I imagine a pretty depressed and uh, uh, gloomy person, and like it could be that she just sees this as a never ending cycle until the like fucking you know ice age heat death of the universe that mankind will 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 be this and there's just this enclosing in, in moment to moment you know just sort of i guess zeroing like, down like zeroing down ooh. until we're dead and, and just always this threat of violence right till the very end being our like only 
our only notion that we're alive or, or something like that. And yeah, you can also read. Is a <laughs> <laughs> you could also read that as like, as him just if he is if they if they have reconciled the differences, is that just for protection when, when the when suddenly the road or the the world is the road world, you know. Or it's Ice Age the movie. Real world road rules challenge. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Shout outs to the OGs. Who, uh, that's one of our Do you guys think the, the sequel oh, to yeah. this would be The Road or Ice Age, the animated movie? <laughs> <laughs> Probably Ice Age. I would love to just see Sid the Sloth hanging out afterwards, after yeah. reading this. That would be great. Sid the Sloth. Yeah, Sid just finds the glass girl frozen in ice. He's like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be really funny. That would be huge prop because there is going to be a new Ice Age movie. So huge props to if you do that. Hey, if you're listening, if you, Ice Age people, show, show Anna Kavan's body frozen in a glacier. So, so, do you guys think that the uh, one of my lingering questions is about the warden and the narrator? Do you think that they're the same person? Because they're there's all of these weird moments when the narrator is interacting directly with the warden. So there's a, there's a, there's a few scenes when the narrator arrives in the warden's kind of like town before the warden knows that he's there in search of the girl who the warden is kind of keeping as a, you know, sex slave essentially. Yeah. In a soundproof room. Yeah. In a soundproof room. And um, they, they have these meetings and this isn't, this isn't the only time that it happens, but every time they interact, Kavan makes a point of saying, like, I felt some unspeakable connection to this person. Like we were, we were somehow vibing on the same wavelength in in a like really deep way and could kind of see each other. And I was, I just it, it struck me that I wondered if they're not like not just two aspects of sort of masculinity or something like that, but like actively sort of the same person. I I read it that they were. I mean. I thought that the like the drug induced hallucinations were were evidence of that, and I, I think I might be wrong, but I know that there's a there's a moment where I think he's talking to the warden, but he like there's a few moments in the book where he's just like, in this moment I I thought that we were the same person or I was him or like I was wearing his clothes and he was wearing mine. And yeah, there's a like full a like mental body swap at one point. They like yeah, yeah they kind of like they collapse into one another like they're like trying to fight every time they try and actually fight with each other and like physically touch each other it seems like they kind of merge like I, that's how it's described right like yeah they like disappear into one another it's sort of so, like the movie yeah. fight club with tyler durden <laughs> it kind of is right <laughs> yeah. there's like the chat there's like the chad yeah, yeah. strong guy and then there's like the weasley like stalker nerd true and they're yeah. and they're if they're the same you know I think also like part of what's so tricky, right? Is that like, you're not, that is one valid answer. I think I feel like you can't just like collapse the waveform like they do as like individuals. Like I, I feel like one of the intentions was genuinely for these things to all, to all validly coexist as like answers to the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I mean, I think that that's something that Kavan just performs in the writing of the novel is that, there's no <laughs> there's no um privileged reality as it were right all of these various scenes and the narrator's uh, uh hallucinations or moments where he's in reality like none of them is clearly the real the real one to the exclusion of the others right and so i think that point like just 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 narratively and thematically of all of these various interpretations and realities existing with with relative equanimity to one another. I think that that's something that she, you know, uh, imbues into the writing itself as well. Yeah, and as to like the dreamlike nature of the writing as well, I would say is, I don't know, but like you can like believe multiple realities when you're dreaming. I, at least I do. Like, you know what I mean. I know it's kind of cliched when you're talking about dreams, but I did think of Lynch a little bit, uh, especially like Mulholland Drive with the kind of like alternative, you know, all, you know, the two alternative reality kind of like women in that, but like, oh yeah, but, yeah. but in, you know, to distinguish between them, like, I think Lynch is like, 
he's got his like whatever dream logic that he implies and he and he speaks no further on it but i think he has a very like structured idea of what's going on and i don't know if that's true for this book or for you know i don't know about kavan's work in general but like this one seemed very much to not to be kind of airy i mean the subject matter is fucking heavy but like to 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 again yeah be this unreal thing in which you can imbue multiple meanings and, and that that's all that she wants that yeah i think that that's probably right i mean i i i, I would be surprised to learn that that there was like a intentional obviously you know it's intentional but like that that, that same thing like that that there's a lynchian kind of like overarching structure to the whole thing i don't think that that's the case here yeah and yeah i don't know i don't know i guess it, not because like the, there's also the temptation right with kavan's biography to, to run parallels which is, between like her life like she she's the glass girl and yeah the narrator is like the stepfather or whatever x like she's got the two failed marriages and it's like these two men represent these different sides and like this perpetual victimhood, which I, I, I based on sleep has his house and this, like she, she has a sense of that being her. And I mean, like also the fact that Kavan, Anna Kavan, the name is, I mean, Kavan herself, like was legally had a legal name change to a fictional character in another book that she wrote. Like right. she, she herself is like a character, perfect. you know what I mean? So yeah. like there, there is this like larger, almost like performance piece going on. <laughs> like, right. Uh, well, and yeah. I think that it was significant that the character change there the name change and the character that she chose to, you know, rename herself after was from one of the books that she wrote kind of in her, you know, ordinary literature period. I haven't read any of the books from that period that she published as Helen Ferguson, but like from by all accounts that I've read, they're much more kind of, you know, uh, marriage dramas and sort of like the, uh, uh, you know, Thoreauvian quiet desperation of the British, you know, middle class right. and so on and so forth, which sounds great. I mean, they might be, I'm sure they're very good, but I haven't read any. So, um, and I think to, to, to pick one of those characters to name herself after, clearly there's some, some weight there. Yeah. The, Cause the other thing was too, like, again, cause of this multiple, multiplicity that you can it's like the agent could also be the fucking kavan potentially and like people talk about how like it's a drug addiction metaphor story for like chasing this thing that is yeah your, will be that. your destruction and all that i didn't really I, I actually read a review before reading the book that was like equating drug addiction or addiction in general to the book and i I was like that idea was in my head the whole time reading it, but the more I read on, I was like, I don't really. It seems like a loose metaphor to me. It just seemed. I don't. I don't know what you guys thought about that, but I was just like, I think what she's trying to say is a little bit deeper than that, and especially after knowing her biography, it's just like, I don't think you can say like the girl being chased is just a drug to the guy. I just don't. It seems like too easy or too simple. I think there's a, I think like with everything we've been sort of saying, there's a, a number of ways to read it as a metaphor for Kavan's life and for drugs, maybe specifically there's the, okay. So yeah, in one sense, the, the guy is sort of like creepily like chasing this high of, of the glass girl, which could be heroin. But then there's another way to read it where, you know, the guy is, the narrator is somehow Kavan who is chasing some idealized version of herself and keeps getting blocked by these like unstoppable forces of the ice and the warden. And so maybe those things are the heroine that's sort of stopping her from, you know, uh, becoming the self she wants to be. And also I think maybe that, 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 that is supported, who knows, but the feeling, the, amb ambigu the ambiguity of the narrator's feelings for the glass girl between sort of like love and care and also violence and just like wanting to kill her could also be a way that Kavan thought about herself in some ways, which, you know, she did because she attempted suicide like mad times. Yeah, I think the, I think this there to say it's one thing is like, we again, to reiterate, like it's iterations of stuff. It's like you add the layers and the layers, like to just say it's a metaphor addiction is literally reductive, but also yeah. one of the things probably, because like the, the main character is also doing 
crazier shit in a more dangerous environment in order to like get something that's ultimately disappointing until until the embracing of of just destruction and i think that's also part of the gun being on him and he's just yeah he's over he's finally got he's just, just elected to obliterate himself so i don't know yeah i think one of my maybe dumb dumb simpler takes that isn't extremely dumb dumb but i don't know if you guys have these kind of dreams but when i tend to have sexual dreams i never get to the thing you know what i mean it's like it it's it's always a dream where it's like about to happen you don't nocturnally emit ever you've never done that maybe when i was like younger you can you can you have sex I mean? dreams without that i'm just saying it's never happened i know that that's true no it has happened but i'm but i'm saying like no he's saying he never actually has sex in the dreams right yeah, it's, it's always like, like yeah, it's yeah. always like an anxious moment where i like get into the room but then like someone else is in the room and i can't do it and then the girl leaves and i like it so i just kind of had like sounds a, like you should do, have some you should go talk to somebody about that paul <laughs> maybe, maybe I, should. I don't know i'm just like can't relate can't can't relate i'd be fucking in my dreams oh, okay well lucky you <laughs> it's always just like it doesn't happen and i get frustrated in my dream <laughs> uh, <laughs> paging dr freud paging dr freud if you listen to the patreon i will spill my first sex dream ever which was interesting and fun i've had the experience uh, of like the people being uh non-determined like they morph mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which feels akin or apropos to this book yeah uh, yes i think so i mean yeah. well i also just think like in general like the the views of i mean you know who we, you know who we have to shut out on this one what's that Sex and death, baby. Sex and death. <laughs> Clifford, get on the fucking shit, man. Get on the show, dude, someday. <laughs> Come on. You know you want to, Cliffy. You want to. Yeah. But, Have a real uh, talk. <laughs> but, but anyway, you know, I think that um, uh, Kavan is talking a lot about kind of that, that relationship, you know, between those two things in, in the thinking of the narrator about the girl and that both of those things, his urge to kind of sexually, you know, or romantically or in a protector way, kind of own the girl continually are frustrated, as are his sort of violent urges. Um, you know, that that passage you said earlier, Paul, I think is really important where he's like, ah, it should have been me. Like I should have been the one to fucking do this awful thing. Yeah. Yeah. He'll just like close his eyes and like see her bruised face and be like, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Really it's, like it's really creepy. Yeah, and there's like I think there's even like uh, an implied rape scene too towards the end, right? I'm not sure if it. Oh, definitely, a couple times. Yeah, couple times. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think yeah, the, one, the thing about sorry, just go ahead. No, I was gonna say yeah, it doesn't really matter, but there's there's rape. Yeah, it's bad. Well, and I think that one of the things with those scenes in this book, stunning and brave. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on, we're not doing South Park references on this show. <laughs> Oh uh, no, you can't. Just kidding, you can't. Uh, but the, the 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 scenes of sexual violence in this book, they're I wouldn't say they're particularly explicit, but they're very disturbing. Um, yeah, if that makes sense, and I feel like that's a distinction that matters somehow. Yeah, definitely. Like that soundproof room is one of the scenes where that occurs, and it's just the whole. They're in like a old barrack slash castle. And it's just, there's a fucking sound room, like absolute like murderer psycho shit. And like, yeah, like everything about that initial encounter with the warden was like very, very weird. He just has a dungeon basically. Right. Mm -hmm. But then, yeah, like the the narrator, the narrator does it too. Do you think there's a uh, positive, do you think that, that, that like the ending was like a somewhat positive glimmer of what could be an alternative or is it still as dark as the rest of the book? Uh, I feel like this book is among the most relentlessly bleak books that I've read in a long time. So I didn't get a sense of positivity from the ending. I mean, it's this, it's this cozy scene in the car, but it's, it's both 
externally threatened by just the, <laughs> the apocalypse right and also just internally threatened by the, the the mental life of the narrator and this the fact that it ends with that line about the gun to me is just so so ominous yeah that's the that's the last line it, yeah it really does just carry a lot of the weight there yeah and i think it's like a common anxious doomy thought to have like as soon as you you reach a level of contentness it's gonna there's gonna be a massive fallout and everything's gonna fall apart so i, I kind of saw that as the ending like maybe they're they're finally content happy a little bit but the as soon as that happens the looming threat is instantly going to get you and it's, it's a, way worse than everything that's happened before it's a very like if there is if there is, if there is like, yeah <laughs> I, I would say like if there is hope or whatever it's it's or or contentment like paul was saying it's a it's of a very fatalistic variety where it's sort of you know surrendering to the inevitability of violence and death and the cold mm. Yeah, I guess it also seems like my other read was that like, right, because like the guy, the guy has a minor epiphany, not epiphany, but a minor revelation when he finally like listens to the glass girl talk like at all. Um, True. I mean, it's about him and it flatters him. So again, like there's some suspicion thrown on the ending as being uh a kind of just another like idealized delusion from a madman but also like he does get told something he doesn't like to hear and makes the tiniest iota of personal progress right like yeah <laughs> where it's just like because again because like paul you were saying like they just get stuck in this cycle of desire he the guy gets stuck in the cycle of like desiring this woman facing uh the reality of largely agency and independence i would say and then being like fuck that i need to keep i need to keep pursuing and like be doing war stuff and like i'm a guy and then uh, eventually he gets a tiny taste of like maybe that's not entirely the situation and entirely the all-consuming way i need to like lead my life to eternity is just like on repeat skipping record style but of course even then that minute amount of progress for the man specifically is then blotted out by the destruction of the, of the planet. Right. Right. He runs. Yeah. I mean, I think so too little, too little, too late time to figure it out. Yes. Yeah. Never, yeah. Yeah. I, I think on the military point and maybe we should on the like war, like man guy stuff, we maybe the, I think we probably should save this for the, the Patreon, but there's a long section of this book where the guy gets embroiled in like, in like revolutionary like resistance politics and is working with these yeah. like 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 guerrilla organizations in the woods to yeah like transmit you know samus dot messages <laughs> I, I think the, the the sort of question of like global politics and politics in general in this book is like so interesting and and you know kavan's view of mankind which we've sort of been hinting at i mean there's a line uh that I highlighted about this. Um, I forget the uh, the exact context of this, but he's just, I think the narrator is just kind of like meditating on, uh, you know, the ice consuming the world and the way it links up with kind of war and, and the military and whatnot. Um, this is on 164 in my, my edition. Oh, can we just pause for a minute? By the way, shout out to Penguin Classics for the worst fucking cover for this book ever <laughs> this is this this cover is so bad yeah we're not reading narnia dude yeah this literally looks can like you actually look to see who who made that cover i don't want to like i i don't want to we're not gonna be anyone if you know name. we already said the type i guess well you they're, know. they're probably fucking so famous who gives a shit no <laughs> i don't think so but anyway it's i can't it's, tell if i like this or not uh, yours is like okay, so Matt's is the green triangle with what is that? A fucking the Peter Owen, the Peter Owen cased classics, and there's a shard of kind of ice, and then there's like a a hand, and oh, then if you open hand? up the inner flap, uh, there's like a a painting of like a. That's way better than this, dude. This I think is, it's kind of sick. This is like like Narnia, 
Frozen. Ice Queen. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's just Pixie Ola, Dream Girl. Ol- yeah. Meta Pixie Dream Girl. Olaf is her friend. Yeah. Like, I, I really did not like this cover anyway. So the passage of Can you type the, who the, who the artist is in the chat? Uh, well, well, okay. <laughs> For me. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you later. Sorry, um, listeners. <laughs> I want to know. I can't find out on the internet. Uh, the day got colder as it went on. The sky darkened. Rising beyond the mountains behind me, ominous masses of black cloud were converging upon the sea. I watched these clouds, understood their meaning, felt the intensifying cold with increasing dread. I knew it meant only one thing, the glaciers were closing in. Instead of my world, there would soon be only ice, snow, stillness, death, no more violence, no war, no victims, nothing but frozen silence, absence of life. The ultimate achievement of mankind would be not just self-destruction, but the destruction of all life, the transformation of a living world into a dead planet. And I think the relationship there between, I think it's like not irrelevant that that she mentions no victims there because victimhood is such a central theme to this book. Right. Um, being a victim of other people, being a victim of circumstance, being a victim of your own mind. Uh, and I feel like this sort of, and I also wonder about the thematic significance of it being ice, that everything will be kind of like, not just killed, but frozen in place. Yeah. I I, I was also just thinking about how, you know, I, like in, in, in light of, because this is an ecological, climatological disaster that's occurring. And like, I do think it's just interesting for the basic bare fact that it's just a freeze over instead of warming. <laughs> Like that alone kind of just inversion just makes it a little strange and surreal as well. Like you never think about a second ice age or something. It's always like deglaciation and and flooding and all this kind of shit. Well, also the ice seems to even take on like, like the the, the surrealist element I thought too is like, she describes it as being a, a battalion of ice sometimes as well. Like, almost like it has it's like a conscious force it's not just a weather pattern that's destroying the earth it's like some sort of intelligence behind it yeah but it's like a mineral intelligence almost like it's marching forward and it's also described as having like internal fire because like the sunshine goes through it and it's like rainbow colors and stuff it's like it kind of sounds beautiful yeah some of her descriptions are really beautiful of the ice and the snow and the just the kind of landscape um oh yeah i mean just want to shout out writing wise yeah i want to read some more passages when we get to the patreon but yeah uh, her writing was like phenomenal but i I think the ice probably just my dumb dumb take intuition was just that it's the opposite of of life something hot you know something giving off heat is a sign of you know cellular activity and and just sort of molecular activity and all this kind of stuff and we're we're stopping that like Uh, well right right. and i was i was i guess i was just thinking you know with respect to the narrator's mental state the ice seems significant because and this is why you said this way way back matt early on that he's trying to like find his the, the ending he wants and kind of like get the he's like replaying the ending of a rpg a bunch of times to get the best ending right he's like and, i'm gonna my dialogue tree is gonna be so different and then yeah. i want to be frozen you're saying frozen. He be like frozen in that yeah moment. exactly like yeah. he wants to find the ending that he wants and then then let the ice freeze him into place into that moment that he's sort of you know crafted after experimentation and i think that would be sort of a, a release for him psychologically it's like the Pompeii guy that was jacking off when right when he got covered in Epic. magma. Epic yeah. Legend. <laughs> what, absolute, absolute best way to go. Legend. Yeah, it's kind of like that. <laughs> um, well, so we're uh, we're rapidly approaching the hour here, uh, right. which is our artificial cutoff uh, for the public version of the episode. As always, there's a lot more to talk about. I want to talk about why the fuck Anna Kaban wrote this book from a male's perspective or understanding. Yeah, gender i think there's a lot more with some of the stuff about uh global politics and these weird political digressions the narrator goes on so we're in this one right. the, we're in this one for the long haul hopefully you are too if you want to be and you're not patreon.com slash finecrackers for as little as two frogs a month you can get <laughs> why uh, why frogs <laughs> You can get access to the full episodes, our full uncut discussion, 
as well as bonus content and our very fun and cool discord populated by epic legends <laughs> just yeah. epic bacon cheeseburger absolutely <laughs> no not, no 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 legends not epic bacon people no, no. chive on kind of types no no damn it <laughs> they're, they're gonna be so mad they're gonna be so mad when they hear this yeah dude uh, you guys rock anyway so the uh, spine cord which is a new label we've no it's it. spinal cord spinal cord good lord yeah didn't even yeah. do it right spinal okay cord. so uh first question i have is do you guys have a word i do Oh fuck! No, I don't. This was this was <laughs> tough for me because because I know so many words. No, <laughs> no, I just didn't find one that st- stuck out. Uh, I also kind of binged the last half of this. Um, so why don't you go first, Gabe? Okay, and Paul well, uh, doesn't have one. Everyone knows. I got one. Everyone knows got the one. word. Okay, let's. Sick. So so apparently Matt knew every word in this book. So Matt, what does ostracon mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's when gotcha. an ostr- it's when ostrich fans meet at a convention center. No, I'll even say okay. <laughs> ostrich. <laughs> All right, I'll I'll even spell it for you and give you one more chance. A S T R. No, don't. That's embarrassing. A S T R K H A N. A S T R A H K H A N. It is the dark curly fleece of young caracol lambs from Central Asia. Central Asia. Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that was good. I don't know how I missed that one. So that's my word. Uh, if these if these ding dongs don't have one, I do have a word. I just right. found it. It's a uh, volcano. Uh, I know what it means, but I think it'd be a good Scrabble word. There's a it would there. be a good Scrabble word. Yeah, yeah. Both both are valid. I don't think you can. It's too long to just have that on your on your uh, whatever. No, it's exactly the right amount. It's seven letters. Oh, is it really? So yeah. perfect. Perfect wow. word, volcano. And you could get uh, the bonus points if you just do it in one. Uh, yep. Mine was really? lo- mine was Loden. I just didn't know. I I'd heard it a million times. It's just one of those things. Had with fabrics. Uh, but is it's that, just, is that another fabric word? Yeah. So it's L O D E N. Hmm. She wears a Loden coat the whole time, and oh, it's just right. a, and it's just a thick waterproof woolen cloth. That's dark a good green. One. Yeah. Often a dark green color. Look at that. Of, of Did Tyrolean you know that word already though, and you just picked it. No, because I didn't literally know what the definition was. Shut up, dude. Well, Paul's doing. Paul's calling a critique. You're coming after me. <laughs> I'm just coming after you because you won trivia twice the other day. And, <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't need to prove myself. Yeah, I don't no. need to prove myself any longer. That was BS. I was bad. I was bad. <laughs> <laughs> Let's fight on the Patreon. Anyway. You're a wizard, Harry. I'll tell you right now, <laughs> if Harry Potter was in this, he would have zapped the dragon and she would have never gotten sacrificed. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, would be, what would be a good spell for the dragon, Paul? Uh, in this book? Yeah. You just, I, about, guess you, I guess you about, use a Vada Kedavra, right? How about yeah. Ice Spelliarmus? <laughs> that's, that's good. That's, okay. that, you, I can't okay. believe you didn't save that for behind the page. <laughs> wow. Nice. Good work. Uh, well, so I think there's three characters. So, anyway, for new listeners, this is the segment called uh, We Literally Just Read Another Book. Yeah which means that we can talk about Harry Potter because we've done our due diligence as good, <laughs> intelligent readers. We ate our now broccoli. We get to what we yeah. really want to talk That's to, right. which is Harry Potter. That's right. Yeah, That's always. The whole point of this whole friggin' podcast. The urtext of my whole life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we put all the main characters from the book we just read into their respective Harry Potter houses. So let's begin. Uh, the Warden. So they're in, <laughs> so they're in Death Eater. Voldemort. <laughs> He's old <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's a it's an easy clap slithering. He's ambitious. He 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 winds up getting deeply involved in global politics as like a mm. strategic ally for some of the big countries, which we'll yeah. talk about. We'll talk about more after the jump. Uh but yeah, easy slithering, I think. Who next? Uh Who glass next? The, the glass girl. The glass girl. I I don't know. I it's hard because she like barely has any lines of dialogue for the most part and she just seems to be a character 
that's like an avatar for the main character. She's just a character that's being chased True. and beaten. Um, she seems like uh, a Patronus. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that's actually pretty good. That is pretty good. Yeah. So I'm going with Patronus. Too. She's the Patronus for the narrator. But but she doesn't protect him. He wants to protect her. But he wants to kill her, too. Yeah, but no one wants to kill their Patronus. That's that's true. Well, I didn't say it was perfect. <laughs> no, I don't uh, know. She's definitely not a Hufflepuff because she'd be trying to get away from everyone. Yeah, she's yeah, really... I feel like she's strong she's just like she might be gryffindor she 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 desperately wants it like on if the sorting hat was put on her head she would be like please gryffindor please gryffindor please gryffindor yeah i think you're right right because she's wanting hat would... you know, she's trying to be really strong and she's you know wants to be independent and she she gets jobs sometimes in some of these towns where she winds up including yeah. one where she's potentially dancing yeah i was like is she, is she, uh, yeah it was she being coded as a stripper yeah, I don't know. I think so. Like at a cabaret or something? Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's Gryffindor, too. All right. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I would say Gryffindor. Yeah. Traumatized Gryffindor. Like Harry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like Harry. Uh, all right. Well, then that leaves us with the narrator. Slytherin. Uh, insane Gryffindor. Insane Gryffindor. Okay. Yeah. All right. Why? Because uh, he's bad. And uh, he is bad. And uh, he's got a, a a fixation, you know, uh, but he's he's definitely brave. In a way. If this stuff isn't just, a, you know, a delusion and the world is actually fine, uh, then he's pretty brave. Uh, in a way, right? Like he's willing yeah, to true, do what though. he regards he derangedly as he heroic some, acts. He does some crazy shit in this book. Yeah, he kind of Jason Bourne's his way through some shit and like, Legit. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so, it's just for a deluded cause that's bad. Paul, why were you so quick with the Slytherin? I mean, I just feel like he's going after a singular idea that's his own. It's just like he's trying to do his thing. He's also, I, I would say he's ambitiously taking this task upon himself. Um, and I think like Slytherins are also brave in moments you know they can be brave it's not I, I feel like bravery isn't one of his main defining qualities but it's a it's an aspect of him uh, interesting philosoph- I just find what i was just gonna say it's an interesting philosophical question if you do something that we would otherwise consider brave because you're like mentally ill is it bravery anymore yeah that was my pause too on yeah. that characterization yeah. but i think so because i don't he's not He's not unafraid. True. Yeah, but yeah, he can, because he he's hopped up on methamphetamine or heroin. Or heroin. Right. Yeah. You're not really fighting a lot with heroin, though. True. But or I mean, if you are, it's it's pathetic. <laughs> but we don't know. I mean, Anna Kavan took heroin, but I feel like this guy took meth. I read somewhere. This is a very <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is a very weird uh, historical detail that, but I read somewhere or heard somewhere. That her initial um, encounter with heroin was she she was recommended someone recommended that she take it so she could get better at tennis and I'm like that seems like the worst drug to become good at tennis by taking. I guess yeah. that was still around that time. I always thought like, but I always forget when that shit finally was officially illegal. And I guess because she first was given it by like some like race car drivers in Monaco or something or one of these. Uh, they took it. I know that's they what I'm saying. Heroin? All these like high level athletes were just on heroin, apparently. That's they must insane. not have been like doing it. seems like they couldn't just be injecting. <laughs> I don't know. It seems insane to like do any athletic uh pursuit. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's like maybe kind of like smoking. opiates. Yeah. Like opiate style for know. like pain. Maybe we don't know the history of heroin. Maybe it had like maybe it was different back then or something. Yeah. A little more anyway. stimulative. Anyway, I'm going to go with uh, Dark Gryffindor for the narrator as well. Okay, fine. (laughs) So (laughs) that's that's fine. That's us, folks. That's us. And uh, that's just our two cents. Take it or leave it. (laughs) And we can take your two bones and two uh, for the Patreon. Now, what score do we give this book? 
I get to go. Who's not first? Who was first? Matt. Who, Matt, who Matt, Matt said Dibs not first. Yeah. Jeez, I think I feel like I said it first. You did. Okay. I thought it first too. Um, no, you didn't. I thought of it. <laughs> um, I really, I really I like about it book. an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, I I really like I really enjoyed this book. I don't know. I I find that Anna Kavan just to be like an amazing writer first and foremost. Like we didn't really get into too many of the passages, but I just feel like she paints a fucking picture with her writing. It's like very clear and just evocative and just like brilliant. Um, so that goes a long way for me. I do like the ambiguous nature of the storytelling and the and the fast paced nature of it too. I feel like this is a book that I would reread in the future as well. Um, Cause I feel like I would just get potentially a totally different reaction from it. Um, so I think my score is going to be fairly boosted. I think I'm going to give it a 3.99679. Okay. The valid score. 69. <laughs> okay. Six seven. Yeah, yeah. I want to know what the seven is. Three point nine, three point six nine, four twenty. Yeah. I just uh, thought of the movie Lucky Number Eleven. In that moment, yeah. that's what Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett. <laughs> Shout out. Um. Yeah, I, I liked this book. I liked this book more than um, than I like Sleep Has This House. I didn't really like that that one. Uh that one had a kind of like feverish, super like imagistic, surreal, like Royal as an R O I L like kind of, you know, going on that. Like I, I find just kind of like uh, benumbs me uh, as a reader. It's like trying to, too much. Uh, this one to like fit its title was just, yeah, it was very like spare. And uh, it, it felt like, like the, like an insane skipping record. Uh, and the image of the ice did start to like induce dread in a lot of the interesting ways. And while it's more, it, this this is definitely a book that I think, though I think is like more, and I haven't sat with it for that long, but it it's more interesting to think about than to read. It's more interesting to like met for me anyway. It's it's more interesting to like meditate on this stuff and the images sit with you, even though it's not exactly gripping in the moment. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I like Paul, this book. Paul but... disagrees and we're going to talk about it on the Patreon. Yeah. Right. This is the, this is the perpetual pro style battle that we have. Um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give it a 3.6. Cool. Nice. Uh, yeah, I think, um, so for me, I, uh, like I said, I gave Sleep Has His House a very, very high score. That was early on in the podcast. We've calibrated our score giving a little bit more since then. Uh, I I want to reread that book, and I want to reread this book as well, because like Paul said, I think it's the kind of thing where you're going to get a different experience every time based on your, your own like emotional state and how you like. I read this book in an airport and then on an airplane like that that and back and forth you know and that was like how i read it and it was it was weird because i was in a weird space and airports are weird and so it liminal was spaces dude yeah liminal yeah, space yeah, it's legit. yeah liminal zones and so i felt that and those images of the ice and and these weird uh hallucinatory sequences it's also cold right now where we live and there is ice everywhere true <laughs> just also true yeah and it's um, bad ice is bad winter's bad we'll get no, into that yeah in the, in the pot <laughs> patreon yeah uh so th- there's a there's a there's a quote here a, a little blurb on the back of the penguin edition um from jg ballard actually and, ah. it's a, and it says few contemporary novelists could match the intensity of her vision and i just feel like kavan's voice is just like sui generous like i can't think of any other book that i could even like profitably put into conversation with this novel or sleep has his house like I, she she was on some different shit with with, with her oh, which writing, was heroin yeah which was heroin yeah. <laughs> uh, uh and i just feel like it translated into her writing so well and i feel like this novel is like one of the better 
um, just like phenomenological depictions of mental illness that I've ever encountered in terms of like what it might subjectively feel like. Obviously I have no idea. I can't, you know, whatever. I don't mean to speak for anybody or out of turn or anything, but it, it felt very grounded in experience and, and real. Uh, and I just feel like as a, as a, she's, she's one of the, like, okay, here's, I'll say this. I'm not someone who's like, I need to read everything an author ever wrote to get them. I don't like that philosophy. I think it's kind of goofy. Uh, you know, whatever. I, I feel like I want to read because she's, if she feels to be engaged in a project of transcribing her own mind in a way that was like, that's unique. Um, so anyway, I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. My, uh, my score for this book is going to be lower than my score for Sleep Has His House, but I think I like this book more. So calibrate and adjust my score ratings as you will. It's uh yeah, it's like, it's like a 3.87 for me. Right. So you want to just give your new Sleep Has His House score? Yeah, no, cause, uh, no, because I kind of want to read it again, but but I will. I think I think the Sleep Has His House would be like a three point six five. Now I gave it like a four point eight, which is bonkers. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> something was something was going on, so I don't know. Yeah, maybe yeah. it was. I don't, yeah. yeah, who knows? Maybe it was. Because we were I really think, hyped on that book. Because I think I had a really high score for it too. Yeah, yeah. But, but that maybe, was early on. Who knows? Maybe if I reread it, I would still love it. But I didn't like it. it was you know. It's woman writer too emotional. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you like this one because you tamped it down. It's cold. And yeah, distant. It's chilly. Yeah, cold and distant. Yeah, there it is. I can't believe you, Matt. Canceled. Canceled. Whoops. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening. <laughs> and uh, again, if you want the full discussion, uh, which is going to be long, uh, one probably, you can subscribe to our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/finecrackers, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. MySpace. My, no. No. Ice space. Oh. I wanted to make a Mr. Freeze joke, but I it didn't really come into play. Maybe right, the Patreon, like, there's plenty of time. There's plenty of time. Yeah, well, you, you find, you'll find your pocket, and I, I know you'll be like an absolute sniper with it at that moment. <laughs> All right, everyone. Uh, thanks a bunch. Love you. Bye. Bye. Love you. Okay. I'm still recording. Everyone mute. We'll just mute.